Welcome back to Investing in 404, the podcast for amateur investors for amateur investors. I'm Gaurav and I have Chris here with me. We've both been investing for over a year and we'd like to give an insight on how we analyze companies for investment. Right, this is the one you have all been waiting for. Or maybe not, because we're doing another electric car company. <laughs> <laughs> We've done Tesla last year and now we're doing NIO, the equivalent of Tesla, but in China. Yeah, a full-on hype here, Chris. Um, the Reddit buzz has really got us going. And also we had a few listeners pinging us with um, suggestions and wanting to hear more about Neo. All right, let's get to it. Let me give you a bit of history. And this one is a real Tamburger, Goff. It has made a 1,100% in the last <laughs> seven or eight months. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's crazy, right? Uh, I was checking the price chart and it was like two or three bucks uh <laughs> which is and compare that to today's today's price at 57 dollars and uh yeah you you got a serious serious 10 bag of that and i remember it vividly and i think we had this in one of our very first episodes looking at neo when it was at three dollars and thinking well this sounds interesting a chinese electric car company what's going on here but they were close to bankruptcy so i completely disregarded it and now they've just exploded. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I actually, I actually went and I actually went and checked some of our old. I think it was one of our first few episodes um, where Neo kept coming up because we had a segment there talking about the most traded stock, a heavily traded stock on Yahoo Finance. Yeah. And Neo was always top of that list every time. So uh, yeah, we've had an eye on it for a while, but I, I think this week having d done the deeper dive analysis it's really shed a light on where it really is and it's it's funny too because back then at it jumped from three dollars to about twelve dollars and we said well it's definitely gone too far now for its value boom gone to 57 dollars <laughs> so you can never <laughs> never tell where it's gonna yeah, go uh, yeah what do we know right <laughs> exactly and as always, do your own research because this is just, you know, our research, our opinion on a certain stock. We are by no means professionals here. Yeah, none of this is investment advice. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Right, let's get started. And um, a bit of history. The company was founded by William Lee um, and one of his partners. And what's positive about it, he's still involved. So one of the founders are still the ceo and still running the company one of the big things about any company you invest in if the founders are still part of the company you can be sure he's not just looking at short-term goals he's not just looking at his own paycheck he's looking at growing this company which is unlike tesla another well-known fact if you didn't know this elon musk hasn't founded the company he actually bought it or you know took it over as a ceo um well into uh, the project i think when they first did their first prototype car right the company was founded in shanghai in 2014 so this company is only about six years old uh, really more of a startup type company in 2016 they started selling their first car so it took them two years to prototype it, design it, and then manufacture their first car. And that was the Neo EP9. Similar to Tesla, they started with a very high-priced model first and then get into the cheaper models further down the line for economies of scale. Yeah, and this, this sort of top-down approach of having really high-end models and really promising uh, big, expensive 
models to then cement your place in the market before you start releasing out uh, the other news seems to be quite a big push nowadays with car manufacturers which is very interesting to see yeah all, all these electric car startups seem to have the same model in mind <laughs> and then in 2016 they also started testing autonomous driving in california as you do they're one of those companies that got a license back then to test that so they have a similar goal to Tesla in mind to eventually have their cars fully equipped with autonomous driving, or at least that's the goal because no company can do it right now. 2018, they IPO'd on the New York Stock Exchange and 2020, they had to, during the Corona crisis, raise another 1 billion in capital because as I mentioned, Back when the crisis hit, they were really struggling for cash flow and were close to bankruptcy. They got good helping hand from the Chinese government with those issues, uh, especially in the last couple of years. Which is, uh, we'll go into the positives and negatives of what that could mean, um, but it, it's it's good that they got that inflow of cash uh, really pushing in uh, to to substantiate the the lack of sales. And as pretty much every company in China, this company is backed by Tencent, not by Alibaba, by Tencent this time. Uh, <laughs> and you will find this across the board with most Chinese startups. They're backed by either of the two companies. The market cap of NIO right now is 88 billion. Okay, this company is huge in that sense. It's what, like top top 10 in China. And uh, Goff, you told me this fact, emerging markets ETF, it's what? It's like the eighth biggest in the emerging markets ETF now, which is just mind-blowing for a company that's selling what? 40,000 cars this year, last year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And in a similar sense of valuation craziness, we have Tesla with 760 billion. So if they carry on at this speed, they're going to be a $1 trillion company this year, right? And just to put that in perspective, we have a company like Volkswagen in Germany that is selling 10.8 million cars and trucks, plus obviously electric cars. VW, Volkswagen has a few electric cars in their lineup. They're only valued at 100 billion, okay? Just, they're, they're almost similar value to Neo, who's selling 44,000 cars at our 88 billion market cap. <laughs> it's mind blowing, right? Yeah, and it's 44,000. And if we think about that 44,000, in January, February, and March say, of last year, they were selling like a thousand cars a month. That's like <laughs> full on just startup territory. That's not even like a big. Uh, could you think about a company that's selling a thousand units of something <laughs> and worth so much? It's unbelievable. Uh, sure, that, that growth that grew to around seven or thousand in December, which is a big change. But. Uh, it's still very low unit count to uh, some of these bigger companies that you just mentioned, Chris. Um, but in terms of uh, uh, other news, I mean, it's roughly 3% market share, um, which is, again, for a company that's launched in 2014, uh, it's pretty impressive that they've got 3% market share of the, uh, of the Chinese industry. And with the current backing, you would expect the actual market share to rise. Uh, over the next few years so uh, yeah pretty impressive to have three percent market share even though they're selling so few cars right yeah another interesting fact uh, during my research and i thought i mentioned this because this company is not fully chinese it has a big design center and idea center they call it in munich 120 people work there and that's where they uh, design most of their next models and then they ship those ideas to. and this is the second fact and differentiator from tesla uh, JAC, who's actually producing 
all of their cars. So Neo themselves are not producing their vehicles that they're selling on the road. Huge difference to Tesla that is building all of these gigafactories in every country, in Shanghai and in Texas, in Germany, to manufacture the cars themselves, manufacture parts themselves and have the entire chain in their hand and their entire margins and everything with that. It's a big difference in many ways, right? Um, so having this light business model provides a lot of benefits as well as like some huge drawback. The benefit of outsourcing um, some of this work is very beneficial from a, like a, a, a balance sheet perspective, but you lose a lot of the control. I think we went into some of this in the previous episode. Uh, check out our episode on Apple where we go into a lot of detail and say how Apple control the whole chain and by doing that they get a lot of substantial benefits right um and for for neo it's it's the complete opposite they want to have a very light business model but regardless uh, even though it's so different from tesla um they've managed to capture the whole cool image right and it's hard to compete against the cool image we've seen that with other companies like apple and so on where as soon as you get a market following uh, and, and a status that you're you're a cool company. I, I want to buy your product. It's a it's a status symbol, and it's a really expensive car compared to the rest of the the electric car ma manufacturers. Suddenly, it's hard to compete in many different ways, right? Um, and it's so much so the market presence meant that the only electric car vehicle in that price bracket, Tesla, had to reduce its price around eight percent to get rid of the remaining Model Three inventory so really interesting kind of positioning that they've got in the market right now yeah and and it reminds you a lot of tesla when it came about in california right similar image it was cool it was hip it was right on trend with green and that's kind of what neo is trying to do now in china in shanghai similar image exactly and and the main point of that is staying on trend and back then it was really pushing the green image and now it's all about pushing the autonomous image right and like getting the tech side of it being really high and recently had this partnership with nvidia really bolstering their uh, tech capability where they're trying to build in um sort of some next gen uh chips and really to accelerate the autonomous driving capabilities, something that's, I think, promised to come in in 2022 or so. Um, so it's just to accelerate their process. But the main thing is really having these partnerships and just looking like you're on the front end. I think that's the main thing is as an image of the company, they look like they're in the front end of technology, which is the really big thing nowadays with electric cars. And, and, and staying exactly with, with that line of thought, uh, Neo then always gets compared to Tesla because the image is similar, the space they're operating in is similar. And I watched an interesting car review of a, a German TV channel similar to Top Gear that just literally just take the cars out and compare them one against the other. And some of the things in here were really surprising. So Neo, the ES8, was compared to the Tesla Model X. So kind of the two SUVs against each other. And what came about straight away is that Neo is actually using quite a few parts from German suppliers. So that goes from the steering to brakes to other things. Whereas Tesla, as you know, because they produce everything themselves, try to make as many parts themselves but essentially on the road in germany the neo model suv was almost half the price it was seventy-one thousand euros versus the model x was 120,000 euros 
So straight away there, and this is globally, right? Neo sits at a completely different price point to Tesla. And in some markets, it's almost half the price with import taxes and all the other things that these companies face in different markets. But then you compare the inside and outside, the interior quality and the build quality was comparable. And Tesla is by no means known for excellent build quality, but NIO, because they outsourced it to a specialist, uh, JAC, they produced their cars with a high build quality. Everything was fine inside. There was no, no problem. Nothing was rattling. So on that sense, they're pretty even, even though the price point was very I love different. how you say nothing was rattling. <laughs> I love how you're saying nothing is rattling. Because that's what I need when I buy a high-end electric car. Everything to start rattling. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is the thing that people miss. And they just hear Tesla and they think it must be amazing. There were so many issues with Tesla and still are with the lights not being watertight. And then people have water in their lights or... Things are rattling in the back of the car while they're driving. Tesla had some real, real issues because they produce it themselves. So I just thought I'll mention it here because people just worry about the stock and autonomous driving and everything's going to be great. You know, there's there's some fundamental differences between existing players and, and companies that produce cars well. Uh, if you just compare the two models, the new ES8 was at 640 horsepowers. And if you're losing me here, sorry about that. This is more for the car enthusiasts listening. <laughs> but the new ES8 had 640 horsepowers and a 7 kilowatt battery. And the Model X was 422 horsepowers with a 100 kilowatt battery. So quite a little bit less speed, but a bit more range. Uh, but the use of energy was similar, so they did a road test and the way they drained the battery was exactly the same. The one key difference, and this is still the same globally apart from China, is the Tesla infrastructure was much, much better, right? The NEO wasn't being, the, you couldn't charge the NEO at the Tesla uh, superchargers, whereas the Tesla, the superchargers are everywhere, right? So by buying the Tesla, you're also buying that charger network. And then we'll get to the battery as a service in a minute, but that only exists in China. So that Neo battery as a service model doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. And then uh, one one small thing, but Neo was then safety tested against the Tesla, uh, just braking distances and other things. And it was much, much better at braking, getting to a stop because they have these parts from uh, other producers in Germany that have done this for many, many years. So surprisingly, even though the price point is a lot lower and you would think it's a Chinese car, it was overall the better car compared to the Model X with some drawbacks with the charging network and other problems. So this is by no means a clear win to Tesla in just the car versus the car. Right. I just wanted to bring this in here because we're talking about stock so much, but that's one of the fundamental things. What are the two companies producing? How are they competing against each other? Right, let's talk some big pros and cons, Chris. Uh, my number one uh, positive here about NEO is a bit less uh, about NEO itself and more about the uh, industry right so the ev industry looks extremely positive right and i think it's a lot less to do with uh neo versus tesla and more just electric vehicles versus like internal combustion engines right so it's just seeing how that changes and there's some really nice research done here multiple different country uh countries companies 
um, <laughs> uh, one of them being Bloomberg. Um, um, Bloomberg states, I think by 2025, you're going to have a market of around seven odd million cars in China that are electric vehicles, right? And if you take Neo's current market uh, share of like 3%, and let's say we grow that to say 9% with the increased investment and uh, the, the cash they've got in hand, I think they've got around 2 uh, billion cash in hand plus the convertible bond closures. So being that cash heavy, you'd expect the market share to rise. Let's call it, say, 9%. That gives you around 600,000 cars. You look at the, the average price of those cars and you're talking roughly 25 billion uh, of revenue at that point in time, which is incredible compared to where they're at today, right? Um, and if you take, let's say, a 10% profit margin on the typical car industry and you're around 2.5 billion, uh, profit margin, which is like around a 40 PE in 2025. And we expect, based on all the analysts that you could possibly imagine, uh, a big rise even after 2025, right? You'd see that industry itself really ramping up. And uh, Neo being the cool, one of the cool, big uh, electric car vehicles are in a great position to um, be supercharged in this rise. Yeah, because what, what do people in our age care? It's almost not so much what they're buying, it's how it looks uh, <laughs> to the outside, right? Competing to your neighbors, competing to other friends. What kind of car have you got? What kind of phone have you got? What kind of tablet? And this is fits right in there. Exactly that, Chris. And, and, and to add to that, right, China is actually so far ahead to other countries in getting more green in the, at least the car space. So they are already up to 11% market shares for uh, electric vehicle sales. 11% in December were sold to pure electric cars. Whereas in other countries, this number is at 2-3%. So China is miles ahead in that regards. And by 2025, they want to pump that number up to 25%. And that's what Gov means around. Those 25% will mostly, or at least to a large part, be filled by the companies that do these electric cars the best, which NEO seems to be hopefully one of those with the advantage they have now with their knowledge around electric cars. For sure. And and that's just China. And now we take, like, if you think globally, you think about what Biden's going to do the next uh, three, four years. You think about what's happening in the UK. You think about companies like General Motors turning off um, uh, whole different lines, trying to focus a lot more on electric cars. You can definitely see uh, this huge surge uh, in this market that even on a global scale that Neo could potentially be pushing out, right? Uh, and see that growth expand. And it, the, the bonuses for electric cars get even further, right? In EU countries, in most like Germany, you get a £3,000 bonus or a €6,000 bonus for buying an electric car. That's straight off the price of the vehicle. Then in some countries like Norway, you don't have to pay any road taxes. And it goes on and on and on why these electric cars will be the future because it's just the government pushing it that way. Whether it's the superior technology to hydrogen fuel or other uh, means doesn't almost matter right now it's the government's pushing us into that corner which is positive or negative i don't actually have a big opinion about <laughs> and al along the same lines china has now developed the kind of electric car silicon valley with all of the different providers that are out in that market you have xpeng you have byd there's so many different players that are right now in really good stages and selling buses or cars or other things even to the international market 
And you have to think about it in that way. When Tesla started, there was no one else around them that they could collaborate with or even um, hire away knowledge in that sense. Whereas in China, that real culture exists now. There, there is that new sense of China is dominating the electric car space somewhat with all these different brands and the sales they have in China alone. So let's see what that turns out to be. But it's it's definitely a strong point against uh, other countries where they're really on the back foot in this. Tesla is even at a back foot now because Lucid Motors and other companies are hiring away the knowledge they have accumulated rather than they can hire away people from other companies. And this is what made Silicon Valley such a big deal because all the tech companies were in that bubble and they could all hire from each other and all the knowledge ended up in that little bubble. And that's where all these tech companies came about. And that's where all the innovation happened over the years. And China has definitely a small advantage there with uh, electric cars right now. Agreed, Chris. Uh, let's go to the second positive I see, uh, which I think is battery leasing, right? And I think battery leasing could be a huge element here for NIO itself. Uh, they've been granted over 1,200 uh, um, patents for battery packs. And essentially, this is for uh, battery packs that could be sold as a service. It's an incredible opportunity, I think, mid-term or longer term, where if you think about uh, as car companies grow, it'd be great if they could build this as a core part of their business, right? Rather than just aiming to sell the cars, more just being a component manufacturer. I think that could be incredibly powerful position to be in. Yeah, and to anyone who hasn't seen the news, uh, Neo is pushing out this battery as a service model. And it's quite interesting because it, it essentially takes off 10,000 pounds or, or dollars off the purchase price. And then rather than having to buy the battery outright, you then buy it on a subscription model. <laughs> the, the most hyped up thing right now, you buy everything on subscription. And essentially you pay uh, every month that X amount and then you swap your battery every time you want. And it's really like that. Every time you, it's it's run out of battery or every time you just want to swap it, you go and drive to one of these Neo uh, mini garages, whatever it's called, quickly drive in. I think it takes up to two minutes. The battery is swapped. You can drive out and you have a new battery. At least to me, that was the biggest concern I always had with electric vehicles. Um, having owned a Google phone and it breaking every two years and the battery just being shocking after a year. Um, <laughs> why would cars be any different, right? And Neo has kind of taken that away in some sense, right? And not just that, if you think maybe, again, a bit more longer term, this could be a great opportunity to tie up with maybe some other companies, car manufacturers, who are who have some other competitive advantage, but are weak on the battery side, right? That'd be such a great way to collaborate and like have uh, an easy way for them to get to market. So definitely see a lot of potential in that space. Yeah, the, the, the thing is, I personally don't like the idea. And I think as far as I could tell, Tesla evaluated it and scrapped it as well uh, due to cost and due to how much it takes to uh, set up all these stations and all these different batteries they have to produce. So Tesla scrapped it and opted for the supercharger network. And I personally think that's not going to be the future. It won't be driving up to a thing and then they replacing their battery. It's it's not really comfortable. The cost for Neo especially is massive. And I don't think they could even scale that so that in every country. So example, London, right? London is so big, it takes you from one end of London to the other two to three hours on some days. 
So in between that, you would have to have at least 20 to 30 of these Neo garages to swap your battery. That's not really the future. That's probably not how it's going to be, but maybe that's the same thing that people said about petrol stations back in the day. So we'll, we'll see. I am, I'm not a huge proponent of it, but at least they're doing something different and at least they're bringing in new fresh ideas to this market and we'll see which one ends up being on top. Another thing I liked about NEO and I like about most companies that do this, uh, they are in the Formula E, so the uh, electric uh, equivalent to the Formula One, where they are taking cutting edge electric vehicles and they're racing them around in a, in a, on a track. And I think it's about 24 laps. And it's similar to what Ferrari and Mercedes have done or McLaren in Formula One. They produce all of these high-end technical things for the Formula One and then take some of that knowledge and put that right into their sports cars. Or, you know, the battery chargeback, that's something that's invented from Formula One. Uh, better brakes, all of these things they can then take from the knowledge they've gained in that Formula series and bring back. Neo is now in a similar position with that Formula E partnership. And it's actually quite fun to watch, I'm not going to lie. So, number one, the brand. And number two is just taking uh, some of that technology back into their own production will probably help them going forward. What I really like about that more than any of the tech, I don't know how real the tech gain there is, but what I really love about that is it really bolsters their public image and their opinion. Being involved in that community, it really bolsters like, yes, they really do belong here and they're not just some... Uh, random uh, uh, car manufacturer, right? So I think that's that's one thing is like they're really pushing this brand image and I think that yeah. really bolsters that opinion. Yeah, my final positive is um, their current po cash position. So I think they've got roughly 2 billion in, in cash just lying around. Um, they closed, I think, 1.5 billion convertible notes and they're in a wonderful position uh, position to have the cash right and uh add to that the stock uh rise the meteoric stock rise that's happened now there's a lot uh, there's a big position here where they're going to need to use this cash to really fund the growth that's that's supposedly coming right um but it's a wonderful position to have that much cash available, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly what they need, Radkov. With them making losses every single quarter, uh, they need that bit of cash to be able to produce those new models to get to scale and really get into profit. So yeah, I fully agree. Yeah, and, and you think and you think about how inefficient the model currently is. I mean, they got accumulated deficit around seven and a half billion. And even if you take total, they've sold 75,000 cars or whatever. Even then, it's like 100,000 a car, which is just crazy how inefficient that model is right now, right? And you think about how they're going to have to grow to, what did we say, 600,000 cars in 2025 in five years' time? They're going to have <laughs> to really either improve the efficiency or have to pump in a lot more money, right? So it's good that they've got a head start with the cash lying around. And then to summarize the positives, I guess the main one, right, Gov, and we've mentioned it many times now, is just the brand and the appeal they have onto millennials and our age group, at least in China for now. And they're doing all these funky things, right, Gov? We discussed it quickly beforehand, these neo clubhouses, almost like the American Express lounges, if you have a platinum card. They have that in China. Anyone that is a, a neo car owner, 
can then turn up to these lounges and just feel cool about it, right? Have a free drink, discuss with other neo-car owners. How cool is that? How cool is that to have these uh, lounges everywhere just popping up, even in cities, not at the airport, I mean everywhere. It's just funny. Yeah, and it's really building this whole like lifestyle, right? And building that the brand is a lot more than just a car, right? Building this whole lifestyle uh, image, um, which is really very 21st century uh yeah so let's then dig into some of the negatives um and i've got a fair few negatives um and i think that the easiest place to start is obviously competition right uh, so near lo- launched in 2014 and they've got to where they've got to in the last six years which is not that long so it's not too much of a stretch of the imagination to see another company really take take over in the next decade right and we think about the competition i think chris mentioned this whole silicon valley type idea and the concept they're building but that itself provides a whole bunch of competitors that uh, that could potentially be fighting for that uh, spot right i mean from tesla byd i think uh xpeng i think they xpeng for example got a credit line of two billion dollars uh, and there's like wonderful photos of it in like the new york stock exchange just there right uh, so Unlike Tesla, who I think was built over time and has this like image of having some sort of technological prowess, Neo has no real like backing uh, in terms of technological advancement that another company couldn't just replicate and build. So I think quite poor barriers to competition here. Yeah, that's that's the strongest, and I wholeheartedly agree. The strongest reason against Neo, right? And the competition, as you say, is big. Tesla is way ahead. They're already producing globally. They are shipping globally. They're selling globally. Um, And then EV sales, and this surprised me, but they're starting to turn a little bit to the favor of these old established brands. And a good example is Norway, right? The Norway... um, was actually dominated by Tesla for many, many years. 2016, 17, 18, 19, Tesla was the highest sold electric vehicle. But as of 2020, Volkswagen has taken the top spot. And not just the top spot, a couple of other spots as well with uh, their vehicles they have shipped. So are we getting to that point now where you know our parents or even ourselves, rather than everyone driving a Tesla, right? I'll just get a, f- a Volkswagen or I'll just get a BMW because I grew up with BMWs, I like the brand, and I really want something different. I want a really cool, I don't know, Model 5 BMW. For sure, that's a problem, right? Especially because this is a growth stock. We're not evaluating the company on its actual revenue today or the car sold today. 44,000 cars is nothing to get the 100 billion evaluation that it's got, right? So it's all to do with future growth and the promise of future growth and promise of future riches which you can't really hang your hat on because they've got no real advantage compared to some of the other companies um apart from just looking cool so it's super important to keep that one in mind my second negative is uh, understanding some of neo in a bit further detail it's a little bit tricky to fully grasp what you're really investing in and there's a really interesting uh, YouTube video by uh, Value Investing with Sven Carlin. Um, check check his video out. It's very interesting and in, in how he breaks this into a lot more detail than what we're going to get into. But essentially, 
you're investing in NEO, but about most of the core business uh, assets and so on and, and the resurrection of NEO post that little crumble that Chris mentioned earlier, all of that sits in a subsidiary called NEO China. Right, and I think 75% of Neo China is what's linked to Neo, and the re remaining 24%, 24.9% or so, is held on by Chinese investors. So, regardless of how many shares are issued, they still have the stronghold on what's going to happen in the future of the company, right? And that's all well and good when the company is doing great. Uh, when it isn't, then you don't really know how how to break that future out, right? It's very tricky because it could just be that you're investing in a shell that just could crumble and go away uh, and you've lost a lot of your money. Because at the end of the day, if you think about it, you've got um, the Wall Street guys who make money on commission, so they're really happy for people to be buying more and they make money from the bubble carrying on longer and longer, right? And then you got, and to add to that, the convertible notes mentioned that I mentioned earlier, they've got, they've, they were all in and in on that. So seeing this price rise is a great aspect for them because they see uh, their own valuation increase and they just make more and more commission from it, right? And you, you think about like the price targets that people have set. Um, I think the, the top, all the top, uh, analyst ratings for uh, NEO is way higher than its current price. It's like 80 from Morgan Stanley and Nomura. It's got Credit Suisse at 71. So all these, I mean, JP Morgan at 75, they're all really pushing this bubble along further to make more money. So you got to be very careful to dig deeper. It's hard to dig deeper when like an NEO's annual report has got like 950 pages. So just make sure you're very careful on like, <laughs> you know what you're actually investing in uh, and not the uh, and understand the risks that are tied to it because you could very well be in a position where the you just invest in a shell company and none of the core assets sit within it yeah that's that's a strong point thanks for that one Goff. i i didn't know anything about that so uh, even i'm learning while sitting on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's that's good no i like that a lot so I think my only other negative point was around the brand and image. And <laughs> that sounds contradictory, but obviously in China, Neo is cool and hip. But if you then go to Germany or the US or the UK, Chinese companies or Chinese car companies don't have the best reputation around them. And I'm not sure how Neo is going to beat that away straight away. That's not going to happen in an instant. So I don't expect them to start selling hundreds of thousands of cars in Europe or in the US. I don't think that's going to happen. They're just lacking that coolness or that quality associated with German cars or even, you know, Tesla or Aston Martin, you know, that quality image that our uh, Western companies have to them. And then the usual risk with Chinese shares and Goff has alluded to it, like the reporting with uh, Chinese companies sometimes is a bit tricky because they can't be audited by foreign companies. And then you have the usual risk with Chinese companies and the political spectrum. So that's probably the main reason why I wouldn't invest in NEO, uh, just that whole political climate. Yeah, very interesting point Chris, Chris raises there. The general public, when they think of Chinese companies, it's sort of low cost to do the job which isn't what Neo's trying to push, right? Neo's trying to push this high, uh, expensive, high value type product, which 
is definitely possible in China, but like Chris says, how likely is it in Germany or in the UK or even in the US where the typical image is a lot more like low cost doing the basic. And one great example to this and probably a reason why Neo will never end up being in the luxury space here in Europe is um, Nissan, right? They tried to do the same and all of the Asian car makers like Nissan and Kia, all of these cars are well known for cheap and reliable cars. And Nissan tried it with Infiniti. They launched this luxury vehicle division and they really wanted to push into that market. I tell you what, Infiniti is sold horribly in Europe and in the US, even though they really tried. They did all they could, advertising left, right and center, and it just didn't come off here. So that's maybe my main negative reason. And and we can see it from the history that uh, the likes they have to go up against. And that's, you know, in, in Germany, Mercedes, Audi, BMW, in the UK, Jaguar, Aston Martin, you have Land Rover. I'm not sure where they're going to take market share from, right? Because all of these companies will eventually start putting up battery-powered cars and get the same bonuses from the government and still have that still have that image they have right now right if you see your neighbor driving an aston martin you think wow fair play that is great yeah my f final negative um and it's a little less about neo and it, it's more about the industry as a whole uh is that the car industry in general is very cyclical and what that means is um it really moves along the booms and recession periods and it gets hurt really bad during recessionary periods and it booms when it's uh, out of that right and we've we experienced a big crash and we saw the results of having that government bailout uh, recently right but who knows what's going to happen in say three to five year time frame or if we see another crash or another uh, uh, recession the reality is the car industry is so volatile that some of these big players have enough to go across and like make a hold, whereas something like Neo would require a secondary backing, right, from the government. So it's just really important to realize that the stock you're getting into is highly cyclical and highly volatile. Whenever the industry, sorry, whenever the market crashes, Neo is going to be going along with it, going all the way back down with it. And, and cyclical plus the fact that it's a massive hype right now. Electric cars, everyone wants to own a stock. Everyone wants to get in it. Xpeng started and they exploded when they went live uh, in the IPO. BYD has exploded this year. Uh, Neo has exploded. Tenberger, as we said. I think Tesla's up 700%, right? So we're definitely on on a real hype on the in this industry. And who knows where it's going to go. I, I would like to maybe close it off with one more point people have this image that tesla is miles ahead and neo will be miles ahead if that's with battery technology if that's with autonomous driving everyone has this image in their mind that these brands will just destroy these old car makers what's really going to happen in the future and this is what i think is going to happen most car companies won't produce their own batteries it will be outsourced to companies like Varta or Samsung SDI who are already producing batteries for Audi, for BMW, for Mercedes. And just to this, due to the scale and the amount of batteries they produce and sell, millions I'm talking about, Samsung SDI, for example, will just become the de facto battery maker in the industry. And maybe one or two others will pop up. It won't be Tesla that's miles ahead. 
right? In the future, it'll just be these suppliers like we have now with brake pads, like we have now with steering or engines. Mercedes is selling their engines to Aston Martin and to other companies, right? And you have the same kind of scenario in the chip space, and maybe that's my prediction for the future, where um, Taiwan semiconductors are producing, I don't know, 70% of the world's chips, at least for, for computers. And I think the car companies are going in a similar direction eventually, that most batteries will just be produced by this one supplier that's shipping it to all of them, or at least a handful of suppliers. And the same thing with autonomous driving. These valuations only work because autonomous driving is the next big thing. Everyone thinks Tesla and Neo, they're miles ahead. And apparently Google's subsidiary, Waymo, are miles ahead to all others. And really, autonomous driving is a black box. None of us will know who's really ahead. But the valuations right now dictate that Tesla's ahead. Right? And this is the big risk I see in this entire industry, that everything's put onto these key things. They're ahead in battery powers. They're ahead in autonomous driving. That's why the valuation is correct. Like, Be very careful with that, because I think in five years, it'll be a completely different picture. If you join the podcast to listen to some wild um, predictions here you go Chris just gave you some <laughs> wild predictions uh, my, my sort of cl closing comments uh, like Chris I don't think I'd be getting into uh, Neo right now just because I think the negatives are quite strong and more than anything it's just quite risky and I want to stay away from risky investments this year my closing comments would be quite tied down to how we research companies in general right um, so as amateur investors, you do a little bit of primary research. You would maybe look at some cash flows or you might do some calculations on where you think the stock price could be or whatever. But the predominant part of your research is secondary, which means you're getting it from other people who've done the research. And something like Neo, which has got so much hype around it, has so much false information or hype that's got nothing to do with the reality, right? From, uh, I mean, in research for this, I've looked at YouTube videos to reading articles to even looking at Reddit, right? Where people are saying, hey, if the share price hits $200, I'll be able to pay off my mortgage. Well, yeah, sure. But that I could say that about any stock, right? <laughs> it's more like gambling, right? Yeah. A fair warning is as you are doing research and getting other people's opinions, you make sure you get enough opinions on either side so you can make an informed decision of your own. Uh, as such, I don't think I'd be getting in just because I think that it's far too risky for my portfolio uh, and I want to be quite cash heavy this year. So um, I think that rounds up today's episode. If you guys have any ideas for future episodes, like I said, uh, hit us up at Investing404 on Instagram or any other platform where you listen to us. Um, and make sure you still subscribe and follow to the podcast. And then go into the pros and cons where I think we've got some charged views in the room here. So that, that'll be quite in fun. In the room. Um, and, and <laughs> in the virtual room. Yeah. <laughs>